Hey, when you leave today, every single one of you are going to get a jar that looks like this. And uh, I want to encourage you to do one thing. Don't eat it. Uh, as we begin this campaign, uh, one of the things we're going to be doing is encouraging people to do things um, as if they only had one month to live. And I have a feeling that many of you would never give a free candy jar to somebody. I know I would. But we've got enough for everyone here to give it to another person. So whether it's a family member, a friend, a co-worker, neighbor, whatever, when you leave today, take one of these and pass it and give it to somebody. Um, that'll be really, really encouraging. Maybe even invite them to come back next Sunday. Well, a few years ago, my wife Jennifer and I went to uh, Kings Island, an amusement park in uh, Cincinnati. How many have ever been to Kings Island before? Sure, I figured most of us. And um, we did this around our fifth uh, year wedding anniversary. And uh, this was BK, before kids. And uh, at, the, at that stage in our life, we had tons of freedom to be able to do just about whatever we wanted to do. And uh, we decided that we would go and we would ride roller coasters over and over and over again. Um, we kind of had this image that, uh, you know, we had done it about 10 years before that when we were in high school, and we were ready to come right back and to kind of take a walk down memory lane. We were ready to ride and glide down that super slide called the Rolla Costa. And so we got there, and we immediately went to the roller coaster. That was the number one when we were in high school, which no longer is, but it was then called the Vortex. And there was this roller coaster, and we, we were really excited. Now, this is the roller coaster. When you sit down, they put the uh, uh, head harness, uh, shoulder harness over you, and then you have to snap, uh, you know, the seatbelt around your waist. And the description on their website goes like this. Once the vortex grips you, you're his forever. The first hill will lift you 12 stories high to the sky. And that's just the beginning. You'll be rocketed along 3,800 feet of track at exceeding speeds of 55 miles per hour. Through two vertical loops one corkscrew, one boomerang, and a 360-degree helix. I have no idea even what that is. All in all, Vortex will turn you head over heels, upside down, a grand total of six times, so you feel the grip of the Vortex, and then you just try to break free. Now, Jen and I were in our late 20s at that point. It had been 10 years since we had ridden a roller coaster. And I have a feeling that if we would have read that description, we wouldn't have went. All we knew was what high school was like. And you know how it is in high school. You stand in line, you get on the coaster, and then you run as fast as you can right back to the line again so you can see if you can do it more than anyone else in your group. So we get all strapped up and strapped in, and we're climbing these 12 stories high. Jennifer reaches over, grabs my hand, and says, This is my life! But I was so scared, petrified, I didn't even know what she said. And so I did what most husbands do. 
uh, at that point when you don't know what your wife has just said? You're right, honey. It's going to be great. You're right. And all of a sudden, I felt this squeeze that almost started taking the blood out of my hand. And she said, no, this is our life. And I immediately knew what she meant. She didn't have to explain it. It was perfectly clear. What she was saying is our lives are moving so fast that we've got to enjoy every moment, every crowded, every exhilarating, every fearful moment. Because we're no longer in high school anymore, Chris. We've been married five years and our jobs are consuming us. And we're working all the time and we're tired and we're worn out. And we're just like, life is getting faster and faster and faster. And sooner or later, we're going to have kids. And the roller coaster of life will just go more and more and more. And the reality is, Jen was right. Our life just got faster and faster and faster after that day. You know, I'm convinced that this concept of a roller coaster is a good metaphor for life. Because just as a roller coaster tends to go faster and faster, so does our lives. It seems like with both, you just get started and then it's over. And I've noticed that the longer you're on the ride, the faster it goes. Have you ever noticed that before? The older you get in life, it seems like not the slower life goes, but the faster it goes. It seems like as... I get older, it just goes faster and faster. And just as a roller coaster can kind of be a flash before your eyes, here on earth, that same flash happens. Because life is just temporary. It's not finite. Or it's finite. It's not infinite. But instead of letting that paralyze us and depress us, if we really own the truth of life, that one day as we know it, our life will end here on earth, it really can liberate us. It can set us free. It can make us live the life we were really meant to live. Instead of limiting us, it can set us free to live the life that God has for us. So I want to challenge you today to live the next 30 days as if they were your last. And not because you're going to die in a month. Lord willing, you're going to live many more months, many more years, decades ahead of us. But if you live the next 30 days as if they're your last, I believe at the end of the month, you'll really start to live the way you've always wanted to live. Now the key verse for this entire series is in Psalms, which is kind of the songbook of the Bible. And in Psalms 90.12, it says this. And let's read this together out loud. On three. One, two, three. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Folks, when you realize that your days are counting down, you'll really begin to make your days count. And what this verse is saying is that we need to live life intentionally. Now, if you knew you only had one month to live, what would you do? What would your priorities be? 
What would your life look like? What would your schedule look like? I have a feeling that if you only had one month to live, that you would live it intentionally. You would have a purpose for every single day of what you were going to do. A more intentional life with God. A more intentional life with your family. A more intentional life with all the things that are important. What matters most? And folks, the reality is that this life, whether you have 30 days or 30 years to live, if you don't decide what's important to you, someone else will decide it for you. Have you ever noticed that before? If you choose not to do something with your life, with a particular day, someone else will be glad to jump in and tell you how you should spend it. And in this series, we're going to decide what is important, and then we're going to learn what is important, and then we'll have a choice of what we want to do with our life. And I really believe, and we've been praying for it for months, that this series has the possibility to change your life in such a powerful way. Now, there are four principles that we're going to look at throughout this time together. And uh, I think they can help you to live the life that God has for you. And the way that we find these principles is we look at the life of Jesus himself. Now, these are not new principles, but they're universal principles that we can use for our lives. And Jesus lived this way. Now, just think about this. Jesus knew when he had 30 days left to live. He may have been the only person that has ever known exactly how many days he had left. But he knew exactly when he had one month to live. And you know, most of us, if uh, we had one month to live, we would be very focused on it. Most of us won't have that experience though. But Jesus had it even to the cross. And what did he do? He lived out the four principles that we're going to talk about. Now today, what I'm going to do is just kind of give you an overview of all four of them. And then we're going to kind of get laser focused in these next four weeks to talk about each of them separately by themselves. And we're going to really apply them and put them into our lives. Now the first principle is this. Live passionately. Live passionately. Someone once said, our lives are not measured by the number of breaths that we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. You were made to live passionately. You were not made to be on the kiddie rides of life. Any of you remember the beastie at Kings Island? This little kiddie ride that you would get on, and when you're a kid, you're great, but you know, first time I went on it was when I was 13. And um, it wasn't so great. A lot of people made fun of me. I'm still getting over that therapy and stuff. But, but folks, we're not here just to do the kiddie rides. But we're here to ride the roller coaster of life. But what happens is that many times we stop living and we just start existing. And we're going through the motions and we're making it our goal just to live a comfortable, safe, and secure life. But the reality, folks, is that safety and security is an illusion. 
The U.S. Uh, Product Safety Commission did a, an extensive study on roller coasters recently, and uh, this is what they found. That you are more likely to be injured playing a game of golf than you are riding a roller coaster. I've played with some of you, or I've seen you play, and it makes sense that uh, you could get hurt. Now, when we think of this whole idea of roller coasters, often we think about risk and being scared and danger and excitement. And you know, a lot of people won't ride roller coasters because they think it's too high risk. But in this study, this is what they found. You are more at risk sitting in the lawn chair of your front yard than you are riding a roller coaster. I can look at the faces of some of you, and you're not believing that. You're thinking right now, I'll take my risk on the lawn chair, right? Uh, I'll stay on the lawn chair, you go on the roller coaster bunch, I'm good. But I'm just saying to you that safety and security, it's an illusion. They also discovered that you're more likely to be killed driving to the amusement park than you are riding the roller coaster when you're at the amusement park. And there is higher premium insurance on the merry-go-round than there is on some of the biggest roller coasters. See, I'm trying to convince you that you need more roller coasters in your life. I'm not making this up, folks. The reality is security and safety can be just an illusion. You know, often we make it our goal in life to simply be comfortable, to live a comfortable life. To be safe and secure. And then all of a sudden, we wonder where, where is all the passion at? Where's all the energy, the excitement? God wants you to be fully alive. Living the life you were meant to make. Taking the risk. Because you know how you spell faith, right? Go ahead, I want you to pull out your program for a second. Get the pen in front of you. And I want you to spell the word faith. Okay? And then I want you to show the person beside you. Okay? Look on your own paper. Okay? Go ahead. Write the word faith down the best way you can spell it. And then show the person beside you. Okay? Okay. Now this is how you spell faith. It's coming up. R-I-S-K. That's how you spell it. That's what faith is. It is a risk. A couple of people over here are like, shoot, first time I ever got a word right in spelling, you know. But it's risk. There is no faith without risk. And in fact, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please Him without taking risk. Helen Keller, the great author and uh, who was both deaf and blind, uh, said this. She said, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. Jesus Christ was the most passionate person to ever walk the planet Earth. And He created you to live a life of passion, to follow His example. In fact, He said these words, I came so that they might have real 
and eternal life. More and better life than you ever dreamed of. God wants you to stop existing and to start really living. And He offers a life that is a dream so much greater than where you're at right now. A life of passion where you're fully created the way He intended you to be. Well, this next passage is kind of intriguing to me. Jesus wrote it to His generation, but it speaks to us so well. In Luke 7.31, it says this, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. Jesus is saying, you didn't experience life. You didn't enjoy all the experiences I had for you. I played for you the music of life, but you didn't dance. You set it out. You were always wanting to live, but you just played it safe. You didn't experience life. I played the music of life and you didn't dance. I played a sad song and you didn't cry. You didn't experience life. You just kind of became numb and you walked through the motions. You had no passion for life and no compassion for others. Folks, God wants to fill you with compassion or with passion and then He wants you to give compassion away to the people around you. I mean, when other people are hurting, do you hurt? When they cry, do you cry? When they mourn, do you mourn? Are you really experiencing the fullness of life? I mean, he was saying, if you're not laughing, if you're not crying, then you're not living. You just kind of go through the motions. You're not experiencing life. The joy, the pain, the excitement, the fear. You're just kind of a mediocre kind of life. Just numb. And folks, sometimes that describes me. You just kind of wake up in the morning and you hope you make it to where you go back to bed again. It describes you. It describes us. And Jesus said, I came for you so that you would have much more than that. I came that you would have real life. You know, in many ways, uh, the past four years of my life have just been like an accelerator to the floor. My wife Jennifer and I uh, have had two little girls uh, during that time. Uh, our oldest, Jordan, is three and a half, and our youngest, Shiloh, is 18 months. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I get home, I don't want to deal with those kids. I mean, I want some me time. What about me? You know? And you get there, and they're there. They're, they're always there. <laughs> like, that's the thing I didn't realize about kids. Was, like, you know, before... Whenever you had my nephew over, you were with him, and then he's gone. I don't know where he goes. He's like, poof. But with you, when you have kids, they never leave. And so you get home, and sometimes you get to the end of the day, and it's just tough to survive. And uh, those of you who are young parents, or those of you who are parents in general, you know what I'm talking about. But one thing that I've really tried to work hard at is heeding the advice of all the older parents in my life who have spoken wisdom into me. And this is what all of them say. Chris, it goes by so fast. Enjoy every crazy moment 
with your kids. And I'm not a perfect parent by any means. Sometimes I've wanted to be all about me. In fact, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. So if you ever look at one of your friends, you're like, oh, they got it together. They don't. They're more screwed up than you. They just hide it better, okay? (laughs) But I try to embrace every moment that I have with my kids because I know it goes so fast. And I would encourage all parents, but especially if you're a young parent right now, that you would embrace those moments because life does go so fast. Folks, when the music is played, do you dance? We were at a prayer night uh, for this whole campaign on Wednesday. And, it, you know, everyone's like real spiritual and they're praying. and You know, they're all into God. And we had my daughter, uh, Jordan, who's three, and she's standing in front of me. And all of a sudden they're playing this song. She starts going. <laughs> and I thought, I have two choices at this point. Either I can say, Jordan, quit dancing. Or, since I'm talking about dancing today, let's do it. And all of a sudden, Jordan and I start going like this, you know. And Derek's up there, oh, Lord. And Jordan and I are doing our own thing, you know. And all I'm saying with that, I know I'm not a good dancer. I hope I gave you some entertainment there. I like to dance, though. But when when you're given the music of life, dance it. Don't sit it out. When a sad song is sung, cry about it. Have compassion for those who are around you. Folks, the most passionate and compassionate person to ever walk this planet Earth was Jesus Christ. And if today you walked in and your tank of passion is low, or your tank of compassion is low, Jesus wants to fill it up. He wants to overflow the passion of your life and your compassion for other people. I mean, you just can't have a heart that doesn't break for the rest of the world when you get closer to God. Because He loves you so much and He knows you best than anyone else. Here's the second principle. Love completely. Love completely. Jesus knew when He had 30 days left. So what did He do? Well, He loved completely. John 13.1 says this, Jesus knew that the time had come for Him to leave this world and go to His Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He now showed them the full extent of His love. When Jesus knew that His time here on earth was about to end, what did He do? He loved completely. He invested His life in in His disciples and He loved them completely. And if you only had... 30 days to live, I guarantee you would want to love completely. You know, I've been with many people at the end of their life, holding their hands, being there in their last few moments, few days. And um, every single one of them never has any regrets whatsoever about big experiences that they missed out on in life. They don't. The regrets that they have are those small little things, those tiny things that have accumulated over time. And you know what? It always comes back to relationships. It always does. They say things that they've always wanted to say to people, but they just couldn't say it. They do things that they've always wanted to do for other people, but they just weren't able to do it. 
And they showed and they expressed love to other people. And that's what you would do. Guaranteed, that's what you would do if you only had 30 days. I mean, the whole reason that you're placed on this earth is because you are never really living until you are loving. You never learn how to live life until you learn how to love the people in this life. Jesus summed up the whole purpose of life when He said these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, love God completely and love others completely. You know, at the end of your life, it won't matter how much money is in your bank account. It won't. No one will care. I've never, I've buried hundreds of people. I've never seen them take money in there. They don't. You'll never care about that. It won't matter how many awards you've won. It won't even matter how many accomplishments you've racked up. The only thing that will matter at the end of your life is how did you love? Did you love? Did you love God completely? Did you love the people around you completely? Now the problem is that word completely kind of gets us tripped up a little bit. And we're going to spend one particular moment together talking about this on uh, October 24th. But we want to be able to say how not to leave anything unsaid. Wouldn't that be great? To not leave anything unsaid, nothing undone, but to love completely just like Christ did. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, simply said this, Love never fails. Love never fails. Do you want to be successful? Do you want your business to be successful? Do you want your job to be successful? Do you want your family to be successful? Then the primary motivation for success is love. Let love be your goal. But if it is, then you cannot fail. When love is the goal, you don't fail. So let me ask you this morning, who do you need to go today and tell them, I love you? Who have you been holding back from? Who do you need to show an action of love? Maybe taking that jar of candy and giving it to somebody. But who is that person? Because at the end of your life, the only thing that will matter is, did you love? Did you love completely? Here's the third thing. Learn humbly. You've got to learn humbly. Again, Jesus is our best example of this to learn humbly, and he said, uh, these words are said about him in Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. At the end of Christ's life, he humbled himself, even to the point of the cross. So this passage is a challenging one. It's a difficult one because it tells us that when pain and problems hit our life, how do we respond to them? It's one of the most difficult things to experience in life. How do you respond to pain and problems when they hit? 
Now, I believe that you're going to experience a lot of great things during these 30 days if you take this challenge seriously. And uh, there are three things in particular. The first thing I think you're going to experience is miracles. Miracles. You are going to see miracles, I believe, happen in your life. We've already seen a lot of miracles happen in the life of the jar. And in the next six weeks, I think we're going to see many more. And the one place that you're guaranteed often to kind of see miracles happen is when you remove yourself from your culture. One of the things about we, that we love about our church is we are constantly sending people to Mexico for them to serve and have compassion for other people. And so if you're like, you know, I've always wanted to do a mission trip, but I never could think I would, or I don't have the money, maybe checking out the informational meeting today is what you need to do. Others of you are going to see, uh, experience miracles in your relationships. It might be with your spouse, or with your kids, or with some people in your family. But you're going to experience miracles in your life. I mean, you can just count on it. Expect it to happen because that's what God wants to do. He wants to do some amazing things in your life in these next 30 days. In a more intentional way than miracles happen. But let me also say this. That with miracles, also the second thing happens. And that is problems. There are going to be problems that you're going to have in these 30 days. You had problems the last 30 and you'll have them after these 30. Okay? Problems just are there. Folks, these next six weeks are going to be a blessed time in your life. But it's not going to be a problem-free time. You know, as I said uh, often, that problems are just those opportunities for God to work in our lives so that we can grow closer to Him. And a couple of years ago, when I first learned about this whole concept of one month to live, I had this brochure and I just kind of put it aside. And then I started reading the book, and I've been so convicted and challenged of asking myself, why don't I live this way more often? Why don't I live this way more often? And I realize that the reason that I don't, folks, is that often I'm living in this fear of problems and stresses, and I get so busy in this thing called life that it consumes me. And I get fooled into thinking things like this. See if this sounds familiar. That if I just get rid of this problem, then I can really live the way that I want to. If I can just get through this stressful season, then I can really start doing some things that I want to do in my life. If I can just get through this problem, then I'll get my act together. But the problem is, folks, is that there's always problems. You're either in a problem right now, you're going into one, or you just came out of one. That's the way life works. And yet, God can take our problems and help us reflect on His Son and build a character within us that helps us to do things for Him. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to turn every problem you have into a success if you'll let them go to Him. Let's look at this next uh, great verse together, and uh, let's read this one together too. On three. One, two, three. In everything you do, put God first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Folks, the reality is, we all want to be successful. 
There isn't a person here that walked in today and said, I'd like to be a loser the rest of my life. You know? No one walked in today and said, man, I hope I can become a failure. That's my life goal. No. You walked in today because you want more success in your life. The problem is, the way success is defined in our world is very different from what it is in this passage. Often, when we think of success, we think of monetary success, financial success, accumulation of stuff success. But that's not what success means in this passage. This word success in this passage literally means to make wise decisions. That you make wise decisions. Folks, that's what I need in my life more than anything else. That's what you need in your life more than anything else, is the ability to make wise decisions. I mean, we all got tough decisions we're going to have to make in these next 30 days, especially some problems that we're going to face. And we need wisdom to make the best decisions we can. And we need wisdom outside ourselves. And the passage says this, if you put God first, you can't go wrong. He won't let you go wrong if you put Him first. He'll give you wisdom beyond yourself. Regardless of what the problem is that you're facing, He'll do it. Folks, the only way to live a life with no regrets whatsoever is to humbly turn to God and let Him have full control. Folks, if you never had any problems, you wouldn't be here today. I mean, heck, if I never had any problems, I wouldn't be here. This gym would not be full today if we didn't have problems. If you never had any problems, you would never pray to God. If I never had any problems, I wouldn't depend on it. I mean, who are we kidding? So God allows all these problems and pain to come into our life so that we might get more focused in the most important relationship, which is with Him. The whole reason that you were created was to love Him. So we can have a love relationship with this God, and then we can love the people around us so much better. The third thing that you're going to experience in this campaign is growth. You're going to grow if you come back here each week more than you've ever grown uh, spiritually, maybe in your life. And you know, the best way that we learn humbly is when we have others around us. We learn from each other. The Christian life was never meant to be a solitary life or one that you go alone on. I mean, if you really want to learn humbly, you've got to be a part of a group. Right now, we have 143 people that are in small groups, and our goal has been 150. Some of you, I know, aren't in a small group, but you've been thinking about it. Others of you are here for the very first time, and you're like, small group? I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Could you dance again? That was pretty good, you know? But really, what I want to encourage you to do is to take this out that was in your program and for you to think about being a part of a group. And you can get a free book in the back at the One Month to Live table. And you can get to know some people and do life together. You can just say today, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a part of it. And it's the best way that you're going to be able to grow. Because the best way to grow is to get in a group. So you can fill that out and just drop it in the back and they'll give you a book. Or if you need a book, uh, they'll give that to you. Here's the last principle. Leave boldly. Leave boldly. 
Jesus had a sense of intentionality and purpose, and this is what he said, uh, or this is what is told of him in Luke 9:51. It says this: As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, I wasn't exactly sure what resolutely meant when I read that, so I underlined it and I looked it up. And it means that Jesus left boldly. He changed the world. He left a legacy that changed the world. You see, folks, you were never meant to stay in this world. You are meant to leave it. Somehow we think that we're going to be here forever, but you're not. We're going to leave this world. We're going to live forever. We're going to live forever with God, but we're going to leave this place. I mean, I think many of us realize, regardless of where we're at on the spiritual spectrum of life, that there's got to be more than just the here and now. Deep down, I think all of us think there's got to be something more than just right here now. I mean, the Colts wouldn't be two and two, you know, if we were in heaven, right? I mean, there's got to be something so much more than the here and now. There's got to be more than just living 70, 80, 90 years and then boom, that's it. And the Bible says that God placed eternity in every single person's heart. Eternity forever with Him. You see, you were made to leave. And if you knew you had 30 days left, You would want to know how you were going to leave so that you could be right with your Maker. So how are you with God this morning? You see, folks, this series is not about dying. It's about living. It's not that you're going to die in a month, but Lord willing, you're going to live many, 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 many years more. And if you live that way, though, that you only have 30 days left, you will really learn to live. Because you never really learn how to live until you learn how to die. This past year, uh, my uh, uncle Phil died in January, and then my wife's uh, grandmother died in February. And for some reason, I've had a lot of funerals that I've officiated over the last uh, year. And as I walk through these cemeteries, you can't help but kind of look down And you notice all of these tombstones. And I'm often amazed that here a whole person's life really becomes right down to two dates and one dash. I mean, everyone's life, really when you think about it, comes down to two dates and one dash. And life is all about the dash. You see, you didn't have a choice of when you were born or who you were born to or what your parents uh, or who your parents are. We don't get to choose the date at the end of life. But the one thing that you have control over right now is what you do in the dash. You have a vast amount of control to decide what you'll do in the dash. So the question becomes how are you going to live the dash? You know, the reality is every single person here wants to leave a legacy. Whether you want to leave something with your kids or your family or whoever, you want to leave something that will live beyond yourself. 
And the way that you do that is you simply become the you that God created you to be. And the thing that often keeps us from leaving bold legacies is we try to please every single other person around us. And that's the one thing that will kill your legacy is if you try to please everybody else. It's trying to please everyone in life that kills it. Jesus one day was telling a story about someone who had lived his dash well. And this is what he said. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You know, a lot of people will tell you how to live. But at the end of your life, there's only one opinion that matters. There's only an audience of one. And that's God Himself. And when you go to meet God, He isn't going to say, Hey, why didn't you please everyone around you a little bit more? Why didn't you uh, go live the life of comfort and security and safety? Why didn't you take an easy path? He isn't going to say that. He isn't even going to ask, why didn't you live more like Chris Bunch? Believe me, he's definitely not going to say that, okay? But what he's going to simply do, he's going to look at you and say, why didn't you live the life that I had for you and wanted for you all along? So these next 30 days, Let's live them like they were our last so we could really live them the way God intended. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, we already know that You're going to do some amazing things. In fact, You've already done some. Some powerful things have happened just as we've been praying and kind of looking forward to these next 30 days. Lives are going to be changed. Families are going to be saved. Friendships are going to be healed. Miracles are going to happen. And God, we thank You for that in advance. And if you would, just kind of quietly in your own heart that that you might just pray this prayer. But it's your prayer, if you're open to it. God, I want to stop being a fence-sitter. I want to give you my whole life because you deserve it. I want to give you every part of me. The good, the bad, the ugly past, present, and future. I need your help in learning how to live the dash the way that you want me to live it. Help me to grow spiritually in this next month. Help me to let go of those things that really don't matter and just hold on as tight as I can for those things that do matter. 
Help me to know how to cut out some of the things in my schedule so that I could focus on the most important things. Thank you for giving your life for me. I want to be a part of what you're going to do, God, in these next 30 days. In your name I pray. Amen. Prayer team, come on down. This is Abby Guthrie and John Bunch will be up here to pray for anybody. Uh, They have lovely pictures. One's my dad. He won't freak you out. And um, you guys uh, can feel free to go. And uh, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place.